This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Writes in his chayyim that Rushim at the outset of Rashi's lechacha, 
How why is it that throughout Shas Bali, Bali, throughout Shas Bali, we constantly encounter the terminology of Toshma, Boshma, Amashenge, Alulus, the Loshim, and the Bali? How do we do this in the Targum? And in the Yerushalmi, what do we see in the Zohar Kodesh, Bolpet, and Eretz Israel? As opposed to Toshma, the terminology the Loshim Chazal use is instead one of Tohosi, Bore, Afrek, the Benishchai. Why in the Zohar Kodesh and the Yerushalmi, Rabbi Yerushalmi was Meshavish with the Bitoi, constantly invoking the expression of Bore, Tohosi, Mashaykin, Meshaz, Bavli, Ayyadir, Chasim, Satan, Rabbi, Rabashi. So is Toshma.
I think this last time we were coming with us further ado, I'd like to introduce what I'd love to give us to you who will be moderating this evening, and thank you to the ability as well from the depths and bottom of our hearts and place you should have more. If it's if the Olam hears me, I'd, I'd prefer without a mic. But if not, we'll uh, use technology. I'm 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 a door behind. Um, first of all, um, I I was very comforted by the fact 
that you see from Yitzhak Avinu, that even if you mistake the identity of the person, the brachas are still chal. So when I heard Rafina's words of introduction, there certainly were kaleya about Rabrudni, but it wasn't a gear to me. But the brachas are chal no matter what, even if you, if you use an ayin toif too much and, and uh, a little over uh, about these things. Al Capone, getting back to this question. So, yes, if a person can find a career, and it's Nogea in the early stage, obviously a person has different choices. Finding something that he feels he's oisik in a particular Yeshuvah Sha'ilam is good. But I think there's a broader Yeshuvah Sha'ilam that I grew up with, and I don't hear it today. Um, my father's Yid from Kovna and, and the old time, and words like, I mean, tachlis, you're working, you support a family, you create a family, you bring up children, you, you allow them to grow in Torah, and so on and so forth. If you look at that picture, then you're, then, then you're Isaac in doing something that's a core Yiddish Zach. Sometimes you're lucky where the etzim work is something, but a yid who used to have to pedal with, with shmatas and shmonses from place to place. But he wasn't pedaling with shmatas and shmonses. He was being oisik and bringing home bread so that the kids would grow up, and they'd grow up with a yiddish veg, be mamshach deiris, learn, etc. It's enough gemina if we can take on an extra job or spend extra time with the family. It's enough gemina if we have a better job but it's going to stare in the Ketushas Abayas. So all of these factors, besides the etzim thing you're doing, working means, but to be honest that that's what you're doing, is you're always calibrating. If I'm tackled working because I want to shalvek to be mefanes so you said stuck and so on, so... If what, I'm making so much money to give tzedakah, but the Arman is never there. I'm never there with my wife. I'm never with the kids. I, I'm never part of a tzibur. So at least that, I think, is a framework. If we would have more of that mindset, I think it would be a framework for people to be able to, to understand it as such. What I understand that the Rosh Hashiva is saying is that we got too used to measuring ourselves and others by career. That, you know... A career defines me in a a positive way or if my career is is underwhelming, it defines me in a less positive way. But it's all about career because society has infiltrated our way of thinking and our way of feeling that a career defines a person. But the truth of the matter is that according to Torah, the only reason we involve in ourselves in careers is because the Gemara says that the the Chiyuv of Talmud Torah, which is Loyamush, Bagisa Loyamam Valayla, the Gemara asks in Brachas, Yochal Dvarim Kechsavam, that is literal, that you should always be learning Torah. So the Gemara says, Talmud Loyam Abbasafta de Ganecha, Hanik Bohem Minik Derecheretz, that a person has to balance his devotion to learning Torah together with the Panasa, with bringing home enough to be able to sustain himself, his family, and be able to survive comfortably in Parnassah. Like the Mishnah says, a person should always 
teach himself or teach his child umnis in the key of the kala. That's the criteria. Because Harvey Osu who says a person should devote himself only to Torah and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will miraculously support him but that's career is incidental to who we are and what our Tafkir Achayim is so Shashiva is pointing out that raising Doris which the Parshas Vayero, when the Boyneshulaylam was planning on Mapecha's Doim Vahamoira, and he says, I'm going to destroy a part of civilization. How could I do this without informing Avram Avinu of my plans? Because Avram Avinu was such a great partner with me in running the world. We know what Avram Avinu accomplished. Thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people he brought to the Dasa MS. He brought to the realization of the Rebbeinu Shalom's Einoid Mulvadoi. And Afopikain, it says in the Posik, Kiyedativ, Lemanashe Yitzave, as Bonav, as Beisa Yachrov, Vishomu Derech Hashem, to establish generations of God fearing people. And that is why Avram Avinu who established ultimately the greatest family that ever existed, that's why he's a partner with Hashem, that he has to tell him what he's going to do in Stoim Ba'amayra. So the message that the Shashiva stressed was the message of family, of raising generations. But it, it goes beyond that also. Limur Atayra, which is really the central theme of tonight's evening, is how do we maximize our devotion to Torah, how do we do it in a way that's profitable and beneficial and enjoyable, as I saw many of the questions. Parnasa is a necessity. Spiritual growth is, 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 is more than that. We can't exist without that. That's what we're here for. In Lamadata Torah Harbe. And we've strayed from that. We've, we've actually strayed from what life is all about because the culture within which we live, exist, and thrive is a culture that puts career at the top of its value system. And about choosing a career based on inclinations and feelings I don't know you know let's say a person wants to be a doctor he wants to give to society or for whatever reason he wants to be a doctor there could be many reasons that are shallow and there could be many reasons that are profound but in order for a person to undertake that profession it's a lifetime of training you have to go to pre-med, and you have to go to medical school, and then there's the different shlavim in medical school, till finally a person could start practicing in the medical profession. Yes, he wants to be a doctor, but let's say he foregoes that and decides to find a way to sustain his mishpacha less glamorously, in a more down to sim- in a more simple way, 
But throughout all, uh, throughout those all those grueling years of preparation, he's able to, like we just heard, be busy engaged with his family and raising children al and himself constantly being a koyveya itim la And what all that brings out in a person, the dikdoka mitzvahs, the growth in sneers, the being able to leich ami boy b'chaderecha, to insulate himself as best he could from all the ruchos roles that surround us in society. Does the Rebbein want him to follow that inclination of investing a good decade in building a stepping stone towards a medical profession when he could take a much more down-to-earth profession and not skip a beat from his yeshiva years into his work years and, 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 and further, I don't know. I don't know if one is mechuyif to follow that inclination as a navua that tells him this is your calling in life. And that's medical, where your service, that's a service profession. What about the legal profession? How much you have to invest to, re- to meaningfully exist or succeed in sustaining yourself and, and making it in the legal profession is also very difficult. So it's confusing. I want to be a lawyer, but who says that the Chayvah Salvavis' rule applies to forego something more simple and down to earth, which allows you to continue being the Ben Torah seamlessly when investing in all those might be in compromising your continuation as a, as a, as a non-stop life of being a Ben Torah. So it's, it's, a confusing, it's a confusing question. But I, I beg to feel that might probably the Chayva Salvavis in most cases in our society, the way we have it, I don't think could be taken literally as a message from Hashem that this is what you have to do, and I beg Mr. Uh, Shashiv if he agrees with that. Um, I, I would say, I would uh, try to send Chavis Alvavis. There's a difference. People are, are not um, honest with themselves in a certain sense. So let's take a marshal. Somebody has tremendous musical talent. So, so that's very clear that music is a calling of his. What Oifin, should he play at Hasnes, should he play to teach in school or whatever, but that. But when you look at things like, let's say, lawyer, how much of it is prestige? How much of it is anticipated income? Is it the pshat that the person... It, it, we, we have a hard time identifying, uh, like Rashiva said, identifying a real, like a doctor. So you have much of somebody who's, let's say, a, a person who's very personable. He's also oisic with people. So you say, okay... The, the, the therapist is some sort, some sort of asks with people. But f- for careers that are lucrative and demanding, um, you have the issue of how much of it is the glamour of it and how much of it is take nafshi choshka. And, you know, how much is it that the person has that talent? So you need, I mean, it's always, something like that you should run by a, a rabbi because of this. Person has negias. He would like to do things that are chashev in people's eyes. That's a sheichad. Um, forget the money sheichad. The sheichad of ah, 
he's a this, he's a that. Um, I think Rosavavis is speaking more down-to-earth Nitias in terms of a, a person has a gifted hand. In, in the old days when careers right. were simple, so a person was a, was a silversmith, a person plowed the land. They were very, very direct. That it's clear Akash Baruch is channeling me. But to say that, that Akash Baruch is channeling me to something that I find glamorous, a person needs to be choishish that that's not what's driving. Not the choishish of others is, is making that decision. So would it be correct to say, based on what the Shiva said, that used to be because the trades were crafts and things of that nature, I used to be able to find inherent Yeshua Shalom in the craft itself, and now we have to almost move that uh, notion from the etzem malacha that I do, the inherent work that I do, into supporting a family, almost second. Yesh for yesh. You know, it's, it's not, there's, there's nothing, some people are, Marshall, but let's say a person works as a firm therapist and a firm society, or even not, he's helping people very directly, and, and, and it's very clear to see a certain calling in what he's doing. Um, let's say somebody is an emergency room physician or something of that nature, but there are many areas where we look at the bigger picture and see the Echetimtze, you know, this is my Zeyasapayim, but, but the Lechem is for the family. Each situation, a person has to sit down and say, how did the Rebbein why did the Rebbein put me in this situation? Um, there are people who are, can't sit still a minute and there's Rizim and the Harutzim, and business is a natural orientation. Um, the, the, the person who built who built the, the yeshiva by us in terms of the Mominus and Rabbi Merkin was a Farakaway. I told him once jokingly that had you been a, a Talmud today, they would have given you Ritalin and you would have stopped you dead in your tracks. Baruch Hashem, you don't sit still a minute and you're building and you're building and, and, and doing and so on. So if a person, a certain amount is in a Tiyas HaNefesh and then a person sits back and says, what did the Rishon, what's the picture add up to? Okay, moving on to the next question. Again, a springboard for a larger topic. My son is in his mid-twenties, and Baruch Hashem is learning well in what is considered to be a top yeshiva. A yeshiva where the Baruch will attend college or look down upon. His Hasmada drive to be a big time chacham are sources of great pride for my wife and myself. However, we are deeply concerned about his future. While we would love to, him to join the ranks of Shayna Lady, the reality is for the majority of boys in this situation, in the blink of an eye, he will be looking for a source of Parnassal, already with the responsibility of supporting a family of a number of children. Part of me wants to force him to begin preparing for this next stage of life. However, the famous story of the Nitzvah becoming a shoemaker haunts me in that. If my son is one of the few, who has the capacity to join the ranks of Sheikh Lady and be a leader in Kali Israel, far be it from me to be the one to convince him that he is not capable. How do I navigate this delicately without hurting his self-esteem and making him feel that he is the other? More generally, how do we communicate to the majority of our children that there is nothing at all with the other about transitioning out of Sheikh Lady at the appropriate time, while maintaining the perspective of supreme primacy of Tamatayah and Harbatsasatayah if one has the ability? Your turn to go first. <laughs> it's a little confusing how the question is, is framed. Huh? <laughs> well, it's a little contradictory. Also, the boy's in the mid twenties. He's still a bachar, obviously. Sounds like he's not in Kyle yet. 
and he's learning well, and his asmada and drive to be a big Talmachachem are sources of great pride for my wife and myself. Now, also, it seems that the ranks of Shevet Levi sounds like it's in play here, because he loses sleep at night because he's afraid to make the mistake that was almost made within its if. If the child, if the boy is just mediocre or average or so-so in, in a, an achievement, he wouldn't mistake him with a potential nitziv. I mean, we all know who the nitziv was. So this person is not sleeping at night because... I know. I'm also traumatized. <laughs> what I'm saying is, in, 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 in essence, there's another wor- word here that bothers me very much. Not from a Torah aspect, but from America. We're all Americans. Part of me wants to force him to begin preparing for the next stage of his life. Talking about a young man in his mid-twenties, and he's, a, he's doing well in life, and he's happy with himself, and here's a father that, that's entertaining, forcing him to change course. I mean, that's a no-no. I mean, even if it would be the opposite that the father wants him to learn and the boy wants to go to school. Also, you don't force. Who forces a, a, an adult boy of 25 years old what to do? It doesn't make... So this is a very confusing... Now, on the general terms, that's obvious. We know that, that in our Ashkafa, someone that's Torah in their Kavata itim la Torah, Yes, there was a Kufa of decades after the Holocaust where the Gedolim tried to gear as many of our young to long-term learning and it became almost like not long-term learning became almost a stigma. But like always in history, things correct themselves b'meshech the years. And if we could gear a, a young man to learn in Yeshiva Basmada Rabbah and do a healthy amount of koilal years, which it sounds to me that this father is entertaining foregoing koilal years. Now, for someone that's learning well, the risk involved in not postponing the training for career past a healthy amount of koilal years of, of excellent learning while being in the early embryonic stages of raising a family, of interacting with a spouse, and raising the beginning of a family of children while in what the Rosh Hashiva calls in the Sefer, the Dalet Amas Shalalacha, while remaining in the Dalet Amas Shalalacha, there is no better graduate school for life than those years of kolel for the one who's achieving well in, in kolel. So that gets lost here in the shuffle. What's going to happen already if it's going to be five great years in kolel and just make it bare bones existence in Gashmias because right now the couple is growing immensely in Ruchnias and in devotion to Torah and and the bliss and happiness that comes with being shakua and Torah. But on the bigger picture, is that the tachlis to be a kli kodesh? 
or to be Shevet Levi for life, or to be the Orchas Chaim's Shevet Levi for life, where you could compartmentize Shevet Levi into Hanig Bohem Minik Of course, we don't have an Ashkofa issue with that. Usually, the right thing happens. Those of us that are geared to remaining Tarosam Nasam find that path. Those that life dictates, and that's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that they should be Hanig Bohem Minik they found they find the path. Why this father has a potential nitziv on his hand, and he wants to force him at pre-kolel years to forgo learning and right now starting to train for a career, I'm a little confused. I am a little confused. And on the, but the end of the question is, is very clear. How do we communicate to the majority of our children that there's nothing at all bediyevet, about transitioning out of Shevet Levi at the appropriate time, yes, while maintaining the primacy of Torah, of course. And that's what the whole Sefer is about, or Chaschayim. That's what the Sefer is really about. I said it in a good convention recently that was on Shabbos, because I didn't want it to be paid. <laughs> I say, in my experience as a Rebbe, and it's many years that I'm in the Smedrish Rebbe, it's almost 40 years, I found that those that fell when they transitioned to the real, quote-unquote, to the working world, it wasn't an ischachis. What they were presenting in yeshiva, both in asmada and in following the zdarim, and playing by the book, and being engaged in their learning, but there was a certain conflict between their excelling in what the yeshiva's rigorous curriculum was, and also there was a, a little bit of them that was always, you know, connected to a broader world, to a world of enjoyment, to a world of fun, to a world of, you know, that it's not all about Yoishev Oyel. Those that were Yoishev Oyelim, during their years in yeshiva, whether it was late high school, early base madrash, Eretz Yisrael, post-Eretz Yisrael, kolel, they were Yoshev Oyalim. So when the time came, and these Yoshev Oyalim had to transition, if you're a Yoshev Oyal, you're a Yoshev Oyal. And even if you have to work your seven, eight hours a day to sustain a mishpacha, you're a Yoshev Oyal at heart. You're going to figure it out with Adracha, with the Rebbe holding your hand, but you're not going to have that plummeting down, me'igra roma labira mikta. When you see that plummeting down, me'igra roma labira mikta, there was a certain part of him that was always waiting for that moment, for that moment of escape, where he's not anymore confined in a world of spirituality, and he could join the great world out there. That, that, that tremendous world out there that young people always dream that who knows, must I, I'll be part of that. And I think that is a big answer to some of the some of this what we see that someone that was doing great in his yeshiva polo years slips sometimes so badly as he goes into the workplace. Um, I'd like, first of all, the, the point that uh, Shiva made about 
a 25-year-old being told what to do. I, I think it's a big problem that we don't put achrayas on children early enough. Um, in other words, at 25, and I'm not, again, it's not clear if he's married or not married, what a father can do. He wants to force someone married them? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I, 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 I had the same Shaila. <laughs> he's going to have shoulder is, is, is the, is the, the, But in other words, the father's role can be, it should be, he can tell them, this is what I can do for you if you want to stay and learn. I can't do more than this for you. Um, and, you know, whatever you do. The father over 25 years should have given the two messages. Um, if, if it is a person who is a Torah Yid and a Balabas, he should have given a child the Harachah for the Leimdei Torah. And his self-value that I'm happy that... what I, he, should, he should feel, the son should feel that he has a dogma of somebody who feels that he's accomplishing Torah uh, you know, if, if the father would give it off, now the son has two drachim. There's a piece about sitting and learning. There are two nekudas that I think are missing in the, in the mix. The Rambam, when he speaks about Shevet Levi, puts in two words that I really, most people don't put the dogish on it or the puzzle on it. He says, It's not something you can mandate Be'etzim. It, it, it has to be, it's a shaloike derech ha'olam. The Rambam's, the Rambam's point is, derech ha'olam is hanig b'minich ha'aretz, and there's to be a nedivas ruach. So if my son is doing fine and good, he has to make that decision. He has to come and decide and say, you know what, I know that there are not many career opportunities and not many Rosh Hashiva jobs open, etc., 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 but... It has to come as a responsible, mature adult. This is the path I'm taking. So even the father should not be conveyed, not only for the reason that at 25 a person should have responsibility and have a sense of achrayas, both for Parnas and for his life, but also learning has to come mitzad nedivas ruach. I won't add another knech that maybe, and again, Rashiva touched on it, but I think it's today... Machmas shvachan of in-laws and, and supporters, I think it's become a tushtish. I, I want to say over two mices, and, and, and two different types of people, but the same message. One was, I believe it was when Ramkil got married there to Israel, the, the shvagas decided to buy a ticket, obviously Shiva, and to come to the chasana. The Baba was still alive, and she found out about it, she said, where does the yeshiva man have money from? And she wouldn't let it. Um, there was a certain sense, it, 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 but, but it's normal to come for chasna. But it's not normal to be shevet levi. And it's, 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 it both come together. You know, Kodesh has its gvulis and, it's, and, and, it, and, and what it comes with. That's, I wanted to say over a story from somebody who's a very different type of person, but also took me very much. This person, I'll, I'll, I'll say who it is at the end. This person came from a, a more modern, it's a background. Quite a modern Rabbanisha background. Very worldly, very with it. And he married a girl who was a neighbor of ours. So I was very friendly with him. And very batamta, younger man. He was learning well. And, if, and were a person, a worldly person. An Israeli. His sister got married in America. Some sister, brother, whatever. And um, 
he, he, he went to the house and said, I asked him how, for how many days are you going? So he said, two days. He's landing the plane and this and that. So I was shocked. I said, you don't want to see everything. You're such a curious, open, worldly person. He said, I'm halishing to see it. But I asked myself, if I'd be working in a law firm, how many days would I take off at a chasna? And then he said to me, how I respect my job is how people will respect me. The person today is the Rav Rush of Eretz Yisrael, David Lau. Dodi Lau, he was uh, uh, married a uh, But it, it took me stark. It, 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 it's somebody who's headed for Shevet Levi, it should be nicker. It should be nicker that he's bottled from the Olam. Le Malyusa, that people give people opportunities and, and they live by Kvent and so on. But somewhere along the line, you have to recognize it's not just should I be a lawyer, should I sit and learn? It, it, it should be nicker that this person is not Shaykh to Maisa. Or it should be nicker that he's not Shavit Levi, with all respect. I think we've lost a little bit of the sensitivity that it is two different drachim. It is two different ilomis. We'll transition now to from some parenting questions. We'll go back to that in a little bit. To some questions from the workplace. And um, I understand that I may not understand all the challenges exactly. So if someone wants to follow up on what the Rosh Yeshiva said in the process with a, uh, a follow up question, please uh, raise your hand. So we'll start with one about learning. I'm in my 40s and I've spent many years learning tomorrow. I finished numerous disciples. I learned that Yomi for a number of years. I enjoyed learning Gemara, but never truly loved it, nor did I feel it inspired. Of late, I'm spending most of my day learning schedule, learning Chomish, Mishnayis, Musr, Ashkafa, Chassidus. I feel a lot more fulfilled. How crucial is it to be learning Gemara every day, if at all? At this stage in my life, shouldn't the main focus of my learning be feeling inspired? And when he says on his daily schedule what you have to do, he speaks about being Mavis Sedra, you should be good, finish your parashas in Matzibur, and Bechlal, the person's curriculum a little bit. But then he goes on and he says, There's nothing more useful in Ruchnius than being an Oiches Bigamora. And then that he adds with Utnan, the Salmut Torah Keneget Kulam. Salmut Torah Keneget Kulam that we say every morning, we don't realize what we're saying. Salmut, it's Melashim Talmud. And the Rosh learns that you have to learn Talmud, you must learn Talmud. You can't go along without Talmud. So in the broader question that this young man is in his 40s and he's today learning, obviously, it sounds from, from what he's describing, it should take him a few hours of learning every day. I don't know, Chumnish, Bishnayis, Musr, Ashkofa, and Hasidus. I can't see how he could do this in less than a few hours. But I, I don't believe not having Gemara as part of the schedule. I mean, Yishlokhanorach says you have to be yashlish. So, so, but no Gemara, I, I don't think, is always gehalt in Alpi Torah. He has to address why is he more taken, Taka, to all these limudim 
including Mishnayis, more than learning Gemara. What, what, what's he missing in, in Gemara that he can't even fit it in? It's something like he has almost... So there's part of the story that we really don't know. There must be some kind of, for lack of a better guess, that there must be some problem that he has navigating the Gemara, which we have in our youth many, many times. But today, in art school, one of the greatest gifts that Kaddish Baruch Hu has given us in the last generation is that we have the ability to use Gemaras that are, help us walk through them. So to say no Gemara, I believe, is, 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 is not acceptable. I think so. Um, you know, it's, we, we have a, a, a Derech Mesura, but I, I'd like to try to explain it Maybe, if I can give a muscle for it. Um, what keeps a person healthy, one of the major things, is exercise. A person walks an hour a day or does whatever other, it, it keeps a person healthy. A person gets a massage, he feels very good. But it doesn't take the place of it, and it's a mistake when you go in and, and you'll drop your walking and instead let somebody massage you. The difference is between walking, expending energy, and being active, to being acted upon. And I think that's where, again, we don't know a lot of the story. When a person takes a, a Musa Sefer that connects to Chassidus and so on, he feels very inspired, and that's very good. But that doesn't build the atzmius of a person. So it's an immediate ruchnistic gratification. But when a person learns Gemara, and I think one of the major problems is that we tend to learn Gemara passively. In other words, Baruch Hashem, we have great Magdeshurim, Baruch Hashem, we have art scrolls and all sorts of things, tapes. So we get used to listening to Blat Gemara. When you learn with a Chavrusa and you're able to be active, you build a whole different Metzias into yourself. Enlecha bigger Musa than Rabbeinu Yoyna, and Rabbeinu Yoyna on his Pirush on Ovis, when he speaks about Mesunim Bedin, he says, because Dine Mominis is what's called Haskel V'yodah Oiselekim. The herring of Yerbeinu is through Dine Mominis, and it's a slower process. In other words, when you look in a yeshiva, and there's a Musa Shmuz that they should come on time, should this, that, the other thing, there tends to be a fairly instant um, response, especially if it's buttressed with a shtickle einish or a shtickle reward. So there's very, very... But that's not what made a bachan to ben Taira. It's, it's an immediate necessity. So, so active learning, and, and that's why I think Gemara becomes very lackadaisical. To sit back and listen to a blat, okay, it's a good start. So if, you, if, if you're maschil and you don't have, so you listen to a good blat, and then you learn it yourself, matoy manoim. But the real, we have by us in the, the Tzibur in Washington, D.C., is many people there never learned in yeshiva ever in any yeshiva in their life. The old door, the, the young door is a very, very different door. And we have occasionally, um, twice a year, we have a big one called Yoimi Yun. We pick a sugya, we, we draw our packages, and then people from the killer come in, a lot of people, we had 180 people last time, and they learn with Bachram Yungalait Chavrusa, the Rabbanim come. And they learn two, two and a half hours Havrusa. Then there's a shir on it. Then there's a few, a little bit different Musa. And I've seen people walk out, change people. People who, who, had, who had it in for the yeshiva. 
They never had that experience. These are very bright people, but, but, but very learned people, but the experience of working and back and forth, tell me what you see, what it says. Don't you think this, the other, that's, that's, that's an experience unlike any other. Um, if a person has it, that's the, the meat and, and, and the bread and meat of a person's personality. The divrei chizuk, divrei musa are extremely vital. The problem was in yeshiva we didn't touch it, and then afterwards we overdose on it. So If a person would have the right mus in each place, I think it would be a much healthier mahala. I just want to raise one point. This, this gentleman is saying he feels a lot more fulfilled now that he's foregoing Gemara. And then before he writes, he never truly felt it inspiring. Is that an absolute criteria in, in Ruchnius? That you should be gravitating to the feel-good, to the feeling of being inspired? That should be di- dominate, d- dominant criteria in, in, in making decisions? So we could have a, a kumzitz of two and three hours and get tremendously inspired and vacos. How is that balanced with foregoing a, an hour and a half or two hour chavuseshaft on, on Friday night? But I feel much more inspired from the vacos, from Zmiris Koechsoif. I went on 25 minutes of Koechsoif and back and again and again. Then I heard a vart from the Nesivas Shalom. And, and that felt so, so much better. Is that really a proper criteria or it's a good, you have a problem, you don't feel fulfilled? Go to a Rebbe. Rebbe, how come I don't feel fulfilled? Something's wrong. You're presenting symptoms, the symptoms of unhealthy, of spiritual unhealthiness, that you're not getting inspired from the age old Limurak and Mara. What is the Indian? You don't feel fulfilled. Like the Shiva just said. We have to address it. Maybe the way you learn, the way you're more passive, you're not being active. But it seems that so many of us get bogged down on this not feeling fulfilled and not feeling inspired. And maybe we have to go to different pastures to find inspiration and fulfillment. And that alone is an issue into itself. Yes, if, if I can comment, I think this is... You know, today there's talk about near Hasidus and things. I don't want to get off the topic. You probably have another evening schedule. That is the topic. <laughs> um, I think it's important to understand where um, Dimyan comes into play and where Seichel comes into play. And both are important koiches. Let's give it a, a marshal. We have a goof that works and runs and walks and talks. And has its limits. You put adrenaline in, it goes much quicker, much further, uh, much less fatigued. So Chacham will say, okay, I, I'll do an adrenaline shot every day. The answer is, the goof will become supported in no time, and also the adrenaline effect will wear off. It'll be both. There's, there's a reason when a person has a moment of inspiration, it's a shtup. In other words, is a tremendous shtuk. Okay, how do you think you have Rebbein Shalom? 
when you feel up there or when you tachlis go and like the Rabbi Yoyna says, Rabbi Yoyna, who's the Baal Musa, says, in understanding Dine Mominus, I dare Rabbi Shalom. I want to move it another place with it. There was a very famous Jewish singer, we won't mention the name, who was very Bishaita, he was very inspirational, his songs were inspirational, and up in the clouds. Did he succeed in putting down a family? It's beautiful to speak about the high and the shamis and, and Friday, this and that. But the day in, day out grind. So, so you have these people that are up in the clouds and generally mean it, but do they have what it takes? Does that translate into the grind of life? When you speak about the beautiful love of children and the aura and this and that, and you can't translate it into the patience, dedication, and grind, then, then, then you create a monster. It's like somebody who's working on adrenaline, or worse. And you basically, you, you think you're there, you run out of steam, you destroy yourself, and you accomplish nothing. So all of these inyanim that are inspirational, they, a chassidish atish gives something. But understand what it gives is a shtup, an inspiration to roll up your sleeves and to work. It's just like the beautiful music at a chasna with the wonderful words people speak and so on and so forth. If a person thinks that's what life looks like, he's in for a real, real surprise. It means, but he has to be able to translate and say, this means, therefore, building a bias and the shechin and all that means patience, hard work, and, and, and slogging on. And, and that's what it is. Understanding Rabbi Yisrael is only one thing. Understanding his halachas. Understanding how. What's mine and what's his? When do I owe it to him? What are my responsibilities? Working it out connects a person to Rabbi Shalom, even if he doesn't feel it at the moment. You see the person. You need the shtup. So same thing like the guf has a trend. There's moments when you need it. There's moments when you, when, when, when you need a cup of coffee. There's moments when you need it. And we do need it. But understand its, its place and its measure. If a person is fatvekit and doesn't do much, then, then, it's, then, then, then it's a, he's living in an oil of dimyan and oil of sheka. He thinks he's in the clouds. One thing is he's not on the ground. But that is in the clouds, that I'm not sure. That's, I don't know where he is. Any specific follow up to the learning after transitioning out of Yeshiva? Just the gentleman writes 
Look what he's done. What he's done. I finished numerous mesechtes. I spent many years learning Gemara. I learned Dafyomi for a number of years. I enjoyed, enjoyed learning Gemara, but never truly loved it. Nor do I feel it inspiring. It's also, I don't know, what is he saying? He, he enjoyed learning Gemara. I wish, you know what I mean? Enjoyed. <laughs> What's his problem? But he never truly loved it. Okay, that's a criteria. If the Masora is that Gemara is that important part of our uh, spiritual diet. So he's foregoing on his own something that's such a central part of our growth as Talmud HaChamim, as Yoydei Tarasecha, the Loimdei Tarasecha, because of a lack of love. Okay? So let's say if we would change the question a little bit. He never really liked it. Slept through because there was an issue. But he said he enjoyed it. Well, that's a new person. Oh, a different person. <laughs> new person. Oh, many years he liked it. <laughs> One thing we know is the person who wrote this was confused. That was <laughs> and the, you know who's not getting credit in this whole evening? The Yetzirah. Nobody says he's the silent, you know. <laughs> he's the elephant in the room and nobody's talking about him. Why can't, you know, he comes and says, why are you learning too much Gemara? Leave alone the Gemara. i do some Hasidus instead. That can't be the Yetzirah. Okay. Another question from the workplace. Again, a general question. So anyone with more specific follow-ups, we, um, we invite them to ask. In a day and age where the Vice President of the United States is taken to task and criticized for refusing to dine together with women in the absence of his wife, it seems unrealistic to adhere to some of the Gedara we have been taught in our issues. Unfortunately, when our standards prove to be unfeasible, rather than establishing new, less severe Gedara, we fail to set up any at all, leading to a breakdown in sneers in both the workplace and in our community. How can we adapt to this new reality to ensure that the Kedusha of our community is maintained in a world which is antithetical to the very notion? Um, so, again, you know, the, the, I, the questions are not always crafted exactly, but I think, and one of the things I think I mentioned was, Kedushim Tiyu is a very, very fundamental Chiyuv. And the, the word Kedushim Tiyu actually says Gedurim, in Arias. In other words, a person needs to understand, A, everybody has a Yitzhahara. It's, it, that's what he are. We, we finally got the Sutton into the, into, the, into the act over here. Everyone has a Yitzhahara. And, the, and nobody is exempt from being Nichshol. The Rambam says, G'doyla Amoroyim would tell, G'doyla Chachamim would tell the Talmidim to be careful, make sure about my daughter, my kala. I'm not sure if the Rambam meant that it wasn't true and he said it to teach it to them, or, or it was true and they were not embarrassed. But in either case, the Yisraeli Yisraelis is Arayas Nafshashadam Muhammadasa. A person's first question is to himself, what are my G'doyim? The mitzvah, my Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz used to say, and again, many things I, I wrote, but I, I'll, um, he used to say, it says, b'schus, what was the yam nas? B'schus Yosef 
Sir Chaim asked, Yosef ran away from, from the Nisayan. He wasn't even a Nisayan, he avoided the Nisayan. So why is that a schus? Sir Chaim would say the Avoida of Arias is the avoiding the Nisayan. Once a person is in the whirlpool, getting out of that is, 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 is the, almost impossible. So a person has to ask himself, I'm now entering another world, what am I gedarim? What's appropriate to do is give yourself a month to see what could work, what's needed. You can adjust it. You don't know when you're going into it. But, but the gedar of Arias is the kiyom of Arias. The Rahman al-Islam, the atzmai, when you're there, that there's nothing. That's not the person is, is kemat helpless. So, so people need to ask themselves, and you need to have somebody that you can sit and talk it over with and say, this is the situation. This is the environment I'm in. Guide me. Tell me what are effective Durham, what are Durham that are doable because, you know, I, I'm going to look strange or whatever. You have to, you have to take into account because if you're not going to be in that necessarily, it's not going to work. Be messiahs with somebody that you feel understands is a chacham. But it's not the pshat, I'll make it together if I have a problem. You'll never, you'll never get there. You'll, you'll have the problem, and by that time, it's late. The avoda of Arias is the Gedorim, and every person, there are some people that they can't see a passing person without hallowing and, and, and getting involved in. He needs a certain type of Gedorim. And there's another person that's more restrained. He needs a different type of Gedor. So, so Gedorim is the etzim avoda of it. The Gemara says in the end, I think that Noshim, that used to do their laundry, they used to do it by the waterfront. That's what in those days they used to do. So what about passing the waterfront when women are doing their laundry? Sounds like it was a relatively provocative setting according to the culture of those times. And the Gemara gives us a criteria. Ikadar kachvina and lekadar kachvina. Now ikadar kachvina, lekadar kachvina doesn't mean ones in absolute terms. It means if you have to go really out of your way to avoid it in the norm, then you go and you'll be okay. And I think that's the first lesson. When a person enters new uncharted waters and he has a difficulty transitioning from the concepts that he lived with when he was a yeshiva man, and now that he's in the workplace among secular people and among modern people, how does he navigate it? I think the first rule is what you can't avoid, make a scene, insult people, make yourself look foolish, that all goes into But if there's that extra bantering, that staying around for too long, that befriending people where really there's no real reason for it, you're just as much as a mensch if you do or you don't, and not everybody's supposed to be everybody's best friend, and people don't raise eyebrows if you're not, so that's something that you could walk in with very clear guidelines. And another thing, I think it's a groin mishle. There's a pasuk b'chol drachecha da'eyu, v'hu yiyasher archarsecha. I think it's a groin. I heard this many, many years ago from my father's zechorin l'vracha. You're going to uncharted areas. You don't know how it's going to go. That oirach. You have to go carve out a path. How do I know? I don't know this. But if behold rachecha, in those that are already paved roads, da'eyu, where it's not complex, 
you do'eyu, you da'as elokeyo v'ichel, you live with Yerushamayim, you live with Erlichkeit, then in the uncharted roads that you have to embark on, who ye yasher hosecha? He's going to give you siyat ha'deshmaya. So if you have sneers at home, if you have sneers on your phone, if you have sneers in your interaction outside your workplace, with your neighbors, with your friends, with your cousins, with your third cousins, with your wife's friends, etc., etc., etc. And there you, the old yeshiva bacher. You have a problem, how you're going to navigate the new areas, who, he, the Rebbeinu Shalolim, is going to give you siyata deshmaya, who ye yasha or chosech. Is it a grub? I don't know, but it's very, it's very, very... Someone says it, in the Mishle. I don't remember who. Rabbi Feiner would probably... Yeah? No, Rabbi? It's a grah? Okay, grah Hashem. What would we do without Rabbi Feiner? <laughs> Any more specific follow-up questions to this? Okay, good. We're running out of time. <clears throat> the next question opens up a general topic, and I, I think the we would love the Russian Yeshiva to comment in general, because this was a topic that many people sent it about. The question is going to be extremely, extremely specific, because often I hear when I discuss these issues with some people is that I don't necessarily get the details of what's going on. So I'm going to give a lot of details. But the main topic seems to be that we have been very focused in our community, for Hashem, on making sure that all the technology is filtered properly and all the content is something which is belongs in a uh, basis row and belongs our children could have exposure to. What's now becoming more of an issue is not necessarily the content of the technology, but the fact that the technology itself and the amount of time spent with technology seems to have very from different studies in the psychology world has an adverse effects in terms of anxiety and depression and just in terms of being able to concentrate properly. So the question is now how do we adapt to this new problem that technology seems to be posing? So I'll read the specific question, but I think the, from what I can tell from the emails, people want to hear in general the Rashi Yeshiva's take. In general, when it comes to technology and devices, we employ filters and we try to oversee our children's exposure on whatever consoles and devices it is as kosher and as limited as possible. It's not an optimal situation, but it's the reality. Most kids, and we're talking about from the best yeshivas, are wired in. My question isn't about technology usage as a whole, but to help understand why why kids are spending so much of their time with devices and to determine how bad this really is. Which brings me to Fortnite. Fortnite is a game where 100 players land on an island. I had no idea what it was until this question. Then have to use skills to fight until only one is left alive. It's been downloaded more than 200 million times since its launch, and chances are that your children and their friends are on it. I don't think they're talking to the Russian Shiva. But whether parents know about it or not, if you don't know about it from your children, you might know about it from the media coverage. It focuses, it focuses on addictive gameplay and a slew of articles warnings about its compulsion loop and dopamine trap. And while the essential premise of this play being addictive is true, what many educators and experts miss is that Fortnite is not really a game about shooting people. There are many games where you can shoot people that aren't nearly as popular or prevalent. It's a game about escape, a place to hang out with your friends, and there is where my question lies. Is escape in moderation healthy for adolescents? 
To the extent that escape is healthy, and adults are worried about their kids, adults are worried about their kids are spending too much time on smartphones and consoles. But at the same time, they're constantly policing and restricting their ability to go off on their own and hang out with friends in places we don't want them going. Do we really prefer our kids hanging out in bowling alleys and pool halls rather than in our own basements? Obviously, it would be great if all they wanted to do was learn all the time. But the reality is that we as parents living in the U.S. in 2019 need to make decisions and fight the right balance, find the right balance between the best of a lot of not great options. I just heard about Fortnite for the first time this weekend. So Friday, I didn't, I didn't even know it existed. Oh, but well, I was told. You will learn something tonight. <laughs> but, uh, but, I, but I also heard that there's a lot of foul language in between the hundred participants. I understand that there's a no, lot, no. a lot Does of foul language. Does anybody want to tell us? Does anybody? <laughs> no, whoever knows about it knows it's, it's the part of it is that the, in, in, in the back and forth, you, it's indiscriminate, the hundred people. You don't choose your hundred partners. I don't know where the hundred partners are, but they, they might be people that are less, you know, not the most savory people. And, and there's a lot of foul language in the interaction that's going on. So it's not some, something very um, civilized, dimensionalich, and it's only about a question of escape. It's not a good place. And it's not even from religious point of view, even from menschlich point of view. And addiction is shmaratim nafsho seichem. We know that addiction, one addiction leads to the next one because if you're not going to be able to get your fix in forthright, you'll get your fix in a different way. And before we know it, we have a full-blown problem on our hands that might end up in a, in a, in a, in a rehab center in about seven or eight years. So it's a big rachmanis. I mean, we're underestimating it. It's, 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 it's really underestimating. Now, the question of letting your kids hang out we shouldn't be restrictive about letting them hang out. Is this a serious suggestion? What do you mean, let kids hang out? Who are they hanging out with? These are the most dangerous things. Well, I can't hang out on the town with whom? So why is that an alternative to this, to this unhealthy game? I, I just don't, I'm very confused by the question. I would like to add two, two points. First of all, um, I think we, have, we, have, um, we haven't done our due diligence in terms of providing good outlets for kids. In other words, kids need downtime, depending on the age and so on, and therefore um, trips, you know, it, it, a lot of, of it, it's an extremely important thing to organize trips, hikes, um, doing things that are fun, exciting, etc., so that the kids do have an alternative. It, 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 we, you know, Baruch Hashem, we, we put so much money and effort into the learning and things, and that's needed. But what happens in downtime, something like Beshaita took did. Today, you need something more different. I think it's something we should put our minds to providing um, a lot of fun activities, so at least this Dark Achrina, like the Roshiva said. There's a second Akuda for older kids, and this is what I, I mean, Barasin Yeshiva, it's, it's a certain approach. I, I, I start the other end. A Bach is not performing. And B'derach as soon as a Bach gets involved in something, he's underperforming. So I say, I don't know what, but you're wasting your time in Yeshiva. You're half asleep, 
you're not active, you don't know. One of the problems we have in yeshivas is there's not enough testing and accountability. Um, when kids go to real rigorous college, so, okay, so they drink on the weekends, but they, they're studying because they have to do tests. If there would be a sense of, I, I, I'm tired and because I need to work and I need to produce and I didn't produce, my Shverzachain of Rachel used to push learning quickly in yeshiva. And the way he phrased it was, a younger man has a real illness. His kid is sick, low in the hospital, and three days is out. He comes like three days later, and he doesn't quite see what he missed. So he says to himself, you know what, I'll take another three days. How many of our kids have the pressure in yeshiva? So if it's a very competitive yeshiva with very smart bottom, so there's always the competition, who's sitting along base medrash, who's saying a chabur, and so on. But yeshiva of regular bachram, there's no reason why they shouldn't have the same level of pressure. Bachram by us do go to school at some point, and, and I tell them always, in my mind, the chil Hashem is that college work is demanding and yeshiva work is not demanding. It's, it's feel good. I said, over there, when you have to hand in a paper, there's no rachmim. When you, when you get a 40 on a test, you got a 40 on a test. I want to see the same. I'm not asking for more covered attire. I'm asking, don't make me less than a college course. And, and I think if we'd expect more of the kids working hard, you know, nirpim or nirpim, it's because there's not the pressure of concrete production. Whether, depending on Ramah, writing up a chabura, saying a chabura, saying it over, getting criticized. You know, every yeshiva has its tension, its healthy tension of, 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 of a challenge. And it's sort of fallen by the wayside. And I think if, we, if they'd have more of that, they'd be less inclined for downtime. And then you, can, you don't have to ask him, I don't care what you did. All I know is what you're not doing. And this is not a derech. I, I, I don't see that you're, you're able to, to help me. And, and if you tell me you can't get up before 11 o'clock in the morning, I, I suggest you, you, you check into a, a sleep clinic because, it, it, you know, I, I don't know how you're going to manage life. Like I asked, I'll ask a bacha, tell me, do you think this is a lifetime issue? You, there's no way you can hold down a job and roll in at 11.30 in the morning because you couldn't get up earlier. So that means that the, the, the morning after you, you get married, you're going to be up at 6 o'clock. So, so what exactly happened? I, I think putting a little pressure where... You can say, listen, yeshiva's not for everybody. You're obviously not cut out for it. You, you, you don't seem to be able to, to, to follow along with, with the work. Look for an easier place. I, I think with a must, a little bit of that would go a long way to, to take care of that stuff. Biggest problem here is that parents, unfortunately, don't have the courage, the ability, the credibility to put their foot down on anything. These parents are helpless. The kids are doing it. The kids are doing it. It's a given. What happened to parenting? We could spend days and weeks discussing where did parenting go? Why don't parents have the ability to say, forthright is out, not in my house. It doesn't work. It works because someone else has it, and the other kid has it, and why did that parent allow it? And it goes on and on and on. When are we going to finally get to a point that it'll be too late, Chaz Shalom, that we have to wake up and say, hey, Who's taking care? Who's running the asylum? The, the inmates are running the asylum, and every Yiddish shlop, Rabin, has inmates, and they're running the asylum. It's a terrible tragedy. 
And this forthright thing is, 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 is a vivid picture into it because it's very destructive. By all secular measurements, it's destructive. It doesn't have any redeeming qualities whatsoever, absolutely whatsoever. And all the parents are holding up their hands and surrender that that's it, well, kids are kids. So if a parent would come to the Shiva and say, every kid in my child's class is on this fort night, fort right, whatever it is, and um, they're all communicating with each other. So it's a social experience that my son, if I don't let him have it, he will be the single kid left. So let me ask you another question. My kid is 11 and a half, 12 years old. Every kid in his class drinks on, drinks on the weekend, Every kid, because the parents drink, so the kids drink. They drink at the kiddish. Should I be the only one to stop my kid from drinking hard alcohol at 12 years old? What are you going to answer him? No, how could you? Social pressure. So we're going to allow kids to drink hard liquor at 12? Then what happens if the kids in the class do eat at 13? So again, everybody is doing it. When are we going to realize that forthright might be up there with those things or down there with those things? I'm sorry. Any
whether because of the stigma or because of attracting kids in second and third place environment. I mean, I'm not really... Is this a, a Lamai Siddiqa question? The, the one who's asking the question wants us to close the Ivy League yeshivas? What's the practical ramifications of the question? Is it about should parents choose for their bright son an Ivy League yeshiva more than a broad-based yeshiva, which we do have both. We have very good yeshivas that fit this criteria to the yeshiva that he went, and we have very good Ivy League yeshivas. So it's a shayla to the parents, to the rabbanim that are advising the parents, or it's a shayla, should we close down all these Ivy League yeshivas that's bothering this gentleman? So is it really important for me to answer that? Are we, and if we make a decision here in the white shul under the, under, under the leadership of, of Feiner that we want to close down all the Ivy League yeshivas, they're closing tomorrow? Let, 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 I'd, like to, I'd like to tell over uh, a, a short Maisa uh, Shoya with me. Sometimes you hear things that you really can't believe you heard it. And, and like, you, you hear a logic that you simply just don't, your mind boggles. Somebody, because I have some connection, somebody said this person was upset that a child of his was not accepted to the Moisid. It's not my Moisid, but some Moisid. And he rang me and he said, Was haste, today if you don't take a, a kidney shiva, it's, it's, it's on the street. You need a son hedging to Paskin. How dare you? V'chul, v'chul, v'chul. It wasn't, I, I mean, I was, pushed, I, I was the, the person who let out his, his thing up. When he finished, I, I said, I feel very bad for you. But by the way, there's another very fine yeshiva in your in your start. And she says there's a promise. Says they take everybody. <laughs> I, 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 I'm serious. If I would not have heard that, that I I I would not have believed. And and I, I, my mind kept going in circles. What am I missing? <laughs> something, something is not. Cuts <laughs> a um, Unfortunately, unfortunately, you know. Everything, I'm a believer that everything is consumer-driven. If, if people would want different types of yeshivas, there would be. You find the biggest tragedy in this whole mix is not the kid who didn't get accepted in the, we, we won't name the name, in the, in the Bayes yeshiva. That's not the problem. The problem is the kid who shouldn't be accepted, and the father has enough clout to push him in. So this kid is miserable. He's in a yeshiva doesn't belong. The father walks around with a big sign, my son is in Beis Yeshiva, and, 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 uh, and everybody, he gets much less than he should have gotten. Instead of being in a place that focuses, it, it's, a, it's a, obviously a positive thing. There's a reason why you, you make classes. It's, it, it, you know, if, if the kids have the same abilities, then you have more or less the same the, the, the same, um, you're able to learn, in, in a, if you have to deal with 10 kids with different kishoyinists, we have a smaller place, and we have that problem. We don't have enough kids to make two tracks a lot of times, and, and it's very difficult. It, it is difficult. The terrace is, and, and people don't understand how counterproductive it is, because at the end of the day, I hate to say it, it's the father's covered that he wants in the Ivy League yeshiva, and unfortunately you have to go to a different yeshiva. I went over mice I once had out in, in our school, now our high school, the boys, everybody goes to Israel after high school. In the first years, I used to commute. So the, the week that they went to Israel in the winter to look for yeshivas, I went with them. It was a very chashva of, of Bachim. It was, 
is the class of 97 is probably the best class ever. Rizika class, Gavaldikabal, Keshoinis, Masmidim, really, really very good Bachar. I told him, I took him for a day around to Gedoyal and to different things, and it went into Rebel Yashiv. So um, the Gabi introduced him, he said, this is a Bachar came from America, they're looking for yeshivas in Atisrol for next year. They want a Bracha from the Rav, they should get into the best yeshivas. So Ryashev nodded and he said, Each one should get into the most appropriate yeshiva. That's the diuk. That you could learn with a Rashi, that diuk. The change from best to appropriate. If a kid needs a slower track, if a kid needs more downtime, there are Baruch Hashem wonderful yeshivas today that, that, that because the person who's the head of the yeshiva, has the mindset that, that I'm here to teach the Bachram, not to have some abstract, uh, some abstract image, and he gives the Bachram what they need. That's tremendous. So Bachram comes out, he knows how to learn, he's confident in himself. He won't walk around, to be, he's not the next yeshiva, but he's not the next failure. He's the next healthy, turned-on balabas, because he enjoyed his years in yeshiva, he got what he needed. I had a Rebbe who, to me, is a muster of what a real Rebbe is. And his name was Rebbe Zedel Epstein. I was able to be close to Rebbe Zelig in, my, in later years when I came back to America. I didn't know him in my early years. Rebbe Zelig was my Rebbe for, 11, Rebbe Zedel was my Rebbe for 11th grade and 12th grade and in camp. He was a demus of a person who was ish emis, a real tzaddik, and a real chacham. Rare combination. An, an, awesome person, a reiner person. He was, I mean, I was taken with him when I had him, and as the years went by, he was, more and more, I, I was, uh, he was Reb Shem as a Talmud, and the Mashkiach of the Rav Hakabi as a Talmud. I had him in 11th, 12th grade. He said over, in those two years, two Reb Shimans. One in 11th grade, and one in 12th grade. I even remember what they are, actually. And we used to ask him that there was some very good Bachim in the Shia, Reb Shimans, and we say, Kindalach, he said, I'm a Malamit. Next year you'll have a Shmodov Vashafchik, Erza Voltzlam, then you're going to hear a lot of good Lamdis. I'm a Malamit. He would teach Gemara, he would drill us, Gemara, he Toisvis, and a Mashon, and Maram, and that was it. Years later, after he was Nifta, they were writing his biography, and they called me as one of the people at him as a Rebbe, and I, this person was in Israel, and I told him he never said a Reb Shimon. He says, what do you mean? He always said over oh, Reb Shimon, always. I said, never said. And then I hopped. We were 11th, 12th graders. He wasn't saying Shaklolis. He was teaching us. He took, he took the temperature of the room, and he said, they need drilling on Gemara, Rashi, and Toysavis. That's what they need. He, he, he went on, he was in Torah or in his, in his last 25 years, in Mashkirtia. He had Chabur of Verchashingalites. He said, Rip Shimons. The idea that you sit down and say, and I think this goes back to the learning issue. I, I wanted to add something to it. The problem is, we keep hearing the same phrase, I learned four or five years in Kailo. It sounds like a jail sentence. Jail sentences are measured in years. Um, nobody says, you know, unless somebody says, I was in business and I made kach kach million dollars. If I was 25 years in business, means I was in jail 25 years and I made kadochas. That's what it means. Do you know measure? What do you mean as five years in Kailo? If a person would have the hashkafa, so depending on the type of limut, I learned through this mesechte, this mesechte, this mesechte, I have down these mesechtes. I have down these in yonim. 
I have down, um, or so if a person would have a sense of what he accomplished, he would say to himself, Baruch Hashem, I was able to finish Rovin Yonim, important Yonim Shazikin, and I've written down summations of the Sugis. When I went to the mirror, I was not 17 yet, and Reb Zedel was the one who focused me on that the mirror is the right place. And he told me that two instructions, the Harag Valyavah, one is I should talk to Reb Nachman every day in learning. It, it, that was like, it, it, because he, t- he told me that, I had the courage to go once a week to him. And the second thing he says, once a week you should have a kvist, you should write down all your chidushim came up with during the week. And, and if you realize, or when you realize that they're not right, don't cross them out. Add why you think it's not right. I assure you, not, I don't know if those chidushim were even taught in Gnizim. But I had thick notebooks that when I asked myself, what did I do the last four years? These were the notebooks. They were better, they were worse, they were kindish. It doesn't make a difference. I, I think it's part, as mechanchem, it's, it's part of a thing that we should do and should encourage. What did you learn? I didn't learn as man. I didn't learn years. I taught a duchen yonim. And, 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 if, if, and if we'd have more of that, you know, then I think, then you would have courage to go on. So, okay, it used to take me a week to do an and now it takes me a month. I used to be able to do a, a perik in, in, in a half year, now it takes me a full year. But, but we'd have a different knemida to measure. That's something I wanted to add on, on the... I'm sure everyone in this room agrees about something that I didn't ask the most important question. So we have uh, around a few, one or two more questions that anyone want to uh, pose to the Rosh Hashim. Yeah, or is there something, there's certain The Iker is he should learn, in my opinion, he should learn whatever will give him the incentive to learn more. In other words, if he'll be doing things that don't excite him and and it's against his trait, he might end up burning out. But if he does things that he thrives on, so if a person thrives on Iyun, then of course he should concentrate on that. If a person co- 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 thrives on being Masadim and you're getting in Yonim and processing facts and getting them in and chazering and knowing and chazering and knowing, he should do that. If he juggles both, but the Eker is, because practically speaking, what you do with chayfets as a kiyum. The Goyen says in Mishlei, everything that a person does with chayfets and chayshik has a kiyum. So whatever brings you to chayshik and chayfets. The issue with Gemara is despite that this person is gravitating to other limudim, all I mentioned was that neglecting Gemara is neglecting limuda Gemara which sounds like he's totally neglecting Limur Agamara, might be controversial. 
but otherwise, it's Libre Chafez plays a very big role, I think. What do you like better? I say depend on time. So you do it according to the, the again. We're saying a very simple formula: Masha Libo Chafez. So if you're in the mode of Chelik, do Chelik, and if you're in the mode of Tukva Kain, do Tukva Kain. If you could do both, then Adar Adar Adar. So I, I would think, I, I'd rather, maybe I'll just over, there's a Yid who lives in Farakway, not far from here, and he has yeshivas near Rabbi Per. And he, um, he, he wrote a hespit on Rebaran Kotla and his Rebbe, and he, and he said over mice that stuck in my head a long time ago, that his dream was to join the Kachim Chabur of the Ultra Bachrim. When he got to that point, um, Reb Aaron told him he needs him to go fundraising for the Shiva in St. Louis. He's the only person shaykh to it. He told him, but I had a mind to learn the Kachim Zvachabur, and he said, Nein, you have to do that. And he went. I met him this morning. I reminded him of the story, and he says, it's because he did the fundraising that he has to put up a yeshiva and so on and so forth. I think having a Rebbe, and that's why it's so crucial, having a Rebbe that tells you, you know, this is your role now, it was Maitre Bainer that told them, you know, Rav Lechem, Sheves, and so on. If it's coming because the mother-in-law says, then, then, then he pit, you're pitting the mother-in-law against the Rebbe. But if, if you have a real Rebbe who knows who, when, and where, and each person, then the person is doing it with a certain sense of, of, of Advar Hashem. I think that's, that's the piece that, that's, that keeps on being missing. And, you know, a, a Yid like Reb Zedel, when I'm, I was learning the Mir for many years, and then when I decided to go to Washington, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, I didn't ask him before. He was a little older, but I met him 
I, I met him. At, I was for six years commuting back and forth because I couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to bring the family there. I was sitting in a bus stop in Matastorf, and Abzalel walked by. He was at a Yid Mestama in his 90s, mid-90s. He, oh, what's doing, Iron Snap? I, so I told him, I'm commuting Washington. He says, he says, You know, where does it say you can't live there? He's, you know, he, and he, he was one of the voices, and Meister Abzalek was the one who actually told us, this is the right thing to do. And, and, and I went with a very different heart that Reb Zelik told me, take the family and go. It's the right thing to do. Um, so I think the same thing. It's a major decision. And, and if, the, if the person was madrichim in a strikeout of learning, tells him now is the time for you to, to move to the next phase, I think it's very helpful. And, and that's a piece that we don't put enough emphasis today on a Rebbe Talmud relationship. You know, everyone looks for a big name. But the bigger the name, the bigger the yeshiva, not always do you have that type of relationship. And that, to me, is the most vital piece of the puzzle. Just would like to add on what you said. I don't know if leaving the Dalet Amashal Alacha directly for the sake of being able to navigate life within the Dalet Amashal Alacha and, <coughs> and do Derech Heretz, in Torah, Torah, in Derech Eretz, as a goal in itself. However, we should always be living with the, with the awareness that wherever HaKadosh Baruch Hu places us, that's not a B'dayevet, that's our calling. So if a person is compelled by the circumstances of life to go out and be a professional, or to be a businessman, or to do whatever he has to do, he's not responding to circumstances that are unfortunate. HaKadosh Baruch Hu placed them there, and therefore he should look to it as a life calling. Yeah, of course, but the, one of the bigger encouragements is to understand if Hashem places you somewhere, that's your life's calling. So if Hashem places you, and He placed you, now you became an accountant, you became a whatever, and now that's your life's calling is to be the maximum ben Torah within that. It's the three questions that they ask a person. Kavata itam la Torah, These are all questions about working people. And they didn't ask him, did you finish the Masechta? How many chaburas you said? The questions that you ask a person are basically about what we call laymen. Nasata v'nasata ve'emuna, did you conduct yourself... Um, Scrupulously and kavata itim la Torah was your limud Torah bit kvios, but this is all for a lay person. These are the questions. Once again, we wanted to thank the Rosh Hashiva from the depths of our heart. We know how much how valuable your time is, and it's not just your time. Okay, yes, okay, I hold the full encouragement. I mean, I, I, the response is so emotional from people. I, I'm pushed like I touched on on the. On the Thank you so much. But it's kind of much has just lit a torch on the so many people's page. People are going crazy. The swimming is about 16, 20 times, and they know it's not that. They know it's not that. They know it's not that. It's working.
I was just by uh, the hiring of it, but now the hiring of it is graduating to see the reception of our bosses. These guys are going nuts. They're finishing the session and they're going to come back. Yeah. Sure. Just another way to send it right away.